It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 573 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week, my guest is Craig Rasmussen, a lifelong devotee to the sci-fi genre. He's also the writer-artist of Sojourners, Technopolis, Furthest Reaches, and Epic, self-published under his label Monkey Gong. He's got a crowdfunding project right now on zoop.gg for Odds and Ends Books 1 and 2. In fact, as I'm recording this, he's already passed his $6,000 goal. So now is a great time to jump on and get those wonderful stretch goals. It's described this way. It's collected science fiction and humor comics, plus so much more. Odds and Ends is a massive two-volume comics anthology of lost and found tales by Craig Rasmussen. This campaign is much more than fundraising for two anthologies, but actually a way for readers to get in on the ground floor of the full launch of Craig's personal publishing label, Monkey Gone. We talk about all these good things, including how the book came to be, as well as what Craig is up to these days that we can look forward to in the future. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome to the podcast Craig Rasmussen, an experienced self-publishing graphic novelist and art coach with a demonstrated history of working in comics, illustration, and story. He has two books that are already out called Technopolis and Sojourners, and has a new one called Odds and Ends, books one and two coming out through zoop.gg. How you doing, Craig? Doing well, Wayne. Thank you. And I'd like to thank you very much for having me on today. Well, it's good to talk with you. I, I'm looking forward to uh, getting these the odds and ends. And I had a chance to read your two other books that you made available to me, uh, Technopolis and Sojourners, and I really enjoyed them both. Oh, I do notice you have a thing about cats, though. There's cats in both <laughs> of those. So I, I, yeah, I um, do you have cats? Is that why they're in there? I, I do. I do. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I had a cat that lived to 21 years uh, that passed just a couple of years ago. And then oh, I have wow. two new cats as well. And uh, just... There's something about cats and artists, I think. I'm sure that maybe some artists feel there's something about cats, uh, dogs and artists. But in my case, I think that they sort of fit the introspective energy that I carry around while I'm in the studio. And for the most part, they don't interrupt the creative process for the most part. That's good. <laughs> are, there are there rescuers? There are exceptions. Uh, no, actually, in this case, I, uh, I adopted two cats from my sister who had three and moved into a situation where she could only keep one of the three. Uh, because of other cats that were already there. So I got to take uh, two twin sisters, um, fraternal twins, I suppose, but uh, twins in attitude, for sure. And uh, <laughs> I'm absolutely enjoying having them here. Uh, even well, the good. constant distractions to play. So yeah, they, they have their fun. That, that's the good news yeah. with them. We have two dogs and two dogs. They are, are both rescues. Oh, great. I ask. And they are, one of them is much older. And the other one, we, we always had to think, try to get older dogs because 
they're a little harder to get adopted. And so we try to always get them. We had an older one and he passed. And then now we've got uh, a much younger who has got a lot more energy and who likes to destroy things. And she's just, uh, we have to be careful. We have to watch her. When she goes out of the room, it's time to follow her because she's up to something. So <laughs> anyway, it's Gracie. She's it's got a, it's got a specific a, look about it, huh? Yeah. Well, but when she's not around you, that means there's trouble. So <laughs> never anyway. know what you're going to find. Yes. But believe me, I, we've gone in and found destroyed things, right? We, of course, the things you don't want destroyed is the thing that are more attractive. So anyway, enough about pets. Let's get on to the good stuff that's <laughs> going on here. Well, first, why don't you talk about Technopolis a little bit and, and let people sure. know what that is. What, what is Technopolis for people who don't know? Uh, Technopolis is about a sad little kid with a jetpack, which is already idiosyncratic because if you had a jetpack, wouldn't you be happy? Um, but uh, he basically is this little kid who's obsessed with the mysterious disappearance of his sister, uh, in his words, at the hands of a giant robot, but nobody believes him. So he's constantly plagued by this truth uh, that he knows to be real and uh, is obsessed with solving the mystery. And at the same time, it sort of leads him into dark corners of the quote unquote utopia in which he lives uh, only to discover it is in fact, probably more like a high tech dystopia. Um, it's a bit of a self portrait, not in the exact specifics of the plot. I don't have a jetpack, and my sister is still in my life, but, uh, there is, uh, definite elements of, you know, a broken family and there's always cats, as you said, um, and a, a little bit of pathos, uh, in daily life that maybe seems inappropriate to the current circumstance. And, and that is a self portrait of like my adolescent years, where I probably just should have been enjoying myself, but was instead sort of, you know, wrapped up in emotional turmoil based on, you know, not to throw my parents under the bus, but an oncoming divorce that took about 10 years to happen. So, you know, there are definite personal elements that I want to explore more deeply than just the city itself. Okay. Cause the, 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 sometimes those kind of situations breed artists really well out of it because you've got yeah. things you want to express and therefore art is a great way to do it. And so that's, uh, I agree. I actually, as you mentioned, I am an art coach and uh, the young person that I'm working with comes from a very similar situation, uh, both in um, maybe not family life. I can't definitely speak to that, although there does seem to be some turmoil, but specifically in the worldview of her parents clashing very drastically with her own um, or with their own, I should say. And, uh, I'm finding, just as you say, it really does breed artists. I mean, I, I immediately was struck by how much this person is one of us, you know, one of the comic book creators uh, that's meant to do it. So mm. there's definitely something, you know, about it being a fruitful uh, provider of story. Mm -hmm. I'm always surprised when people in the military are artists. I, I, you would think a regimented lifestyle wouldn't mean an art, but a lot of people find the expressions really helpful. Yeah, it, that's a pretty emotionally impactive life to live in the military. So I imagine there's a lot that you store up that needs to be expressed. Okay. Now the other one is Sojourners, and it's got a description on here. Let me let me see if I can get it right. A simian space odyssey. The intrepid crew of the Sojourner Two race time to complete their vital world-saving super secret mission. And it's got monkeys. That's the thing. Interesting. The name of the, the name of the company that uh, sells your stuff normally is is Monkey Gong. 
Monkey Gong. That's correct. Monkey Gong is a personal label. And your next question is, what's a monkey gong? And yeah. uh, <laughs> so I'll just grab that. And uh, there's basically my primal alarm clock, my monkey gong going off. Like there's a there's an alarm happening within me to speak up about things that are important to me. And in this case, for Sojourners, it's a it's a climate uh, commentary, if you will. The, the uh, super secret mission is saving us from certain climate disaster, but they have to figure out how to travel back to our time from theirs before they can do that. And uh, it is... It is not a heavy dose of social commentary as some science fiction can. This is my, uh, the, the two stories are sort of opposites in that way. Technopolis, I think, is is rife with commentary throughout both emotional and social. But Sojourners, to me, is supposed to be more of a zany space adventure. It just happens to have a little bit of commentary because I don't, I don't really believe in telling a story without a, a reason or some themes that mean something. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very. Good. I, I've gotten to read both of them, and I'm a, I'm a big sci-fi guy, by the way. So Excellent. I really they resonated with me when I was reading them. I said, "Boy, I got to get more of these. These really look good." Uh, I love things that are different. I, I I want things that surprise me and make me think. And to me, the Sojourners was the one that particularly made me think. You know, it was really interesting because it's funny you say there's not necessarily a lot of social commentary in there, but I got a lot of. Their interaction I found interesting. The cat I found interesting. <laughs> and there's all kinds of wonderful things uh, going on in there that I just, I love to love when they're on another world and they're not sure what's under their feet and things like that. I think that's a great, great science fiction uh, uh, process. Thank you, Wayne. I, I love that. That's and, great. Thank you. Oh, man. it's got. I, I'd love to spoil a whole bunch of stuff in here. But let's just say one of the monkeys goes out and starts to explore and de- look with the cat. And uh, let's just say the cat doesn't necessarily lead him in the safest of places. Right. Safe for a cat, not safe for a monkey <laughs> yeah. in this case. Um, yeah, that's actually the very first real creature design that I've done. I mean, I've toyed around in my sketchbook and stuff. But I mean, just the the vague spoiler that we'll give is that I did some what I think was really fun creature design. I had a blast with that creature. And uh, you could tell because it was only supposed to be like two or three pages of that creature and ended up being a full action scene by the time I got done with it because <laughs> it just was too weird. And I had to go somewhere with it, you know. Um, but Crazy yeah, stuff. that's uh, what I want to see too. I, I really like the original when it comes to comics. And I think that's why I've tended towards self-publishing. I mean, not just because I, I feel sort of uh, burdened, if you will, uh, pleasantly burdened, I guess I could say with far too many story ideas to even consider uh, at most points, taking stories from other people and working with writers. Although I'm actually doing that right now. Um, I just really want to tell these crazy stories and these crazy ideas that are in my mind. You know, I used to, this is going to date me, I used to read a comic called Space Ranger. Space Ranger? I'm not sure if I've seen that one. What way is that from? It's it's pre, even before Adam Strange, DC. It was a guy with a a yellow and red costume, and he had like a bubble on his head, bubble outfit. And he had like a pinkish sidekick that went around with them and stuff like that's really really old i mean it was i think it was 50s but there there was a whole generation of science fiction comics at that time and i just i loved that whole book and i i because he would go to these really far out worlds and i'd be like god this is really interesting then of course as soon as i get interested they canceled the book so (laughs) yeah left me going why don't uh, they ever do science fiction yeah, that's the Wally Wood era of zany science fiction, where you know pre space travel, they basically could 
draw whatever they wanted to. Like we're in space. We're, you know, we're in a different strange zone in the universe or what. I mean, it's just, you know, there were not as many rules, I think. Um, like now you have to knowingly break the rules of physics and, and space travel and what we, what we know of other worlds, you know? Um, but in that case, I, I look at that stuff all the time and it's just, it's so wild. It is so out there. And I try to draw from that in terms of just the, the, for lack of a better term, childlike imagination of that with no holds barred. There's just, you know, you can just kind of do what you come up with and you just make it as crazy as you want to. And it's okay. You know, so trying to do that now, but with a little bit of an eye on, you know, maybe, maybe more science, (laughs) just a little bit more. I love that stuff. I love not having any idea when you went around a rock, what was going to be behind the rock. I love that stuff. And, and, you know, I'm afraid that, Ah, uh, I th- I think that uh, I I wish that we were less concerned about uh, <clears throat> how people will react to things, and more yeah. concerned about telling a fun and interesting story with interesting characters and stuff. That's yeah. that's gets me interested. It gets me going. I second that. You know, I mean, there are some things that are important to uh, you know get right in terms of what you're putting in a story, um, but some things are not as important as they are made out to be, whether it's, you know, political correctness or anything, it just, or, or just sticking to science. You know, I, I do believe, you know, don't be malicious ever in your stories and, and, you know, but you can, you can still tell a crazy story and not have to worry about whether or not it's real. I mean, I think that's, mm-hmm. that's a big thing that is still kind of important to me. Um, even though I want my science fiction to all be sort of connected in the same world and be as, as realistic as I can make it while still adhering to, you know, like I said, having a bit of a childlike dose of imagination in it. And I have absolutely no problem, even at my age, being childlike. So I love love going, taking my imagination, let it run wild and go and read stuff that I go, boy, that was different. And I love different. (laughs) Different We don't see enough different. Yeah. as far as Sojourners go, how do people, is this a web comic? How do people get a hold of it? Well, it is, it is, uh, eventually going to be a web comic. I mean, my whole plan over the last, uh, I guess the second half of the, the lockdown of pandemic, you know, the, the, the second year of lockdown, the, the, the lockdown light, I like to call it. Um, <laughs> I, I really, uh, I mean, a lot of us who did conventions before the lockdown, we really struggled with losing that as far as a, an income source and a marketing, a free marketing source. Uh, so I really kind of buckled down and tried to come up with a business plan uh, for my comics that would make some sense. And eventually I would like to do, you know, a paid membership behind a paywall and kind of like a, like a subscription to print model. But, um, what happened was conventions came back at the same time that I had those two, you know, preview editions basically ready. And I have quite a bit more work behind that because I was building a string of stories to sort of release one after the other, after the other. Um, so that's led me in this position, uh, put me in this position rather where, you know, I'm definitely still going to do the paywall and all that, but I'm kind of realizing I, I don't have to only do that and that it's okay to just go ahead and start publishing this stuff because the market is there. I mean, you're not the only person that is looking for something original and different in comics. And it seems like comics is an incredibly healthy market right now. And it's something that I think is completely unexpected to most of us in the industry. Um, so I'm just trying to take advantage of that. I want, you know, people are ready to have stories put into their hands. And so 
you know, yes, I will eventually publish that behind a paywall, but it'll probably be as it's, you know, colored. Um, and it'll only be like, you know, a, a short chapter, like four to six pages at a time. And, you know, it'll, it'll take its time to be told in that way. But, you know, this is what, you know, what you've seen as the other option. And, uh, like I said, I'll still honor that, but I'm, I'm very excited about being able to put it in people's hands and seeing the reaction that it's getting. And, you know, I've done, um, I did about six, seven conventions, uh, mini and, and large, uh, this year. And just, I can't get enough of interacting with, uh, I don't want to say fans, the audience, you know, the market is, is a really amazing place full of amazing people. And, and none of us want to grow up all the way. We all want to keep a sense of childlike wonder, you know, so yeah, I mean, that's a long-winded answer, but basically, you know, eventually it will be that will be a web comic. I kind of always intended Technopolis to not be a web comic, but now I've realized that could also still be a web. You know, it's like there's just a lot of flexibility now. I can present it, and and now with Zoop, that's changing my whole approach as well. <laughs> okay, well, we get to that in a second. <clears throat> the one thing I, I'm um, if people want to get your books, are, are they going mm-hmm. to be available through Zoop or are, are there other ways to get them? How do you get your comics? Yeah. So you can currently buy both Technopolis and Sojourners on my site uh, in the shop. Um, there's some pretty simple links on the site to find it. And uh, as well through my uh, my Instagram page, there's a link on there. Um, so it's fairly easy. And also, you know, you can see me in person. And that's basically the way I've been selling them. Um, so far, I've not sold a single one online, but I've sold a couple hundred by hand in the last five months. So it's been a pretty good run. I mean, it's not a run that a a major company would be happy with, but as an independent creator, I'm extremely happy with it. And I'm going to just continue that as I go. Now I noticed you were, excuse me, you you mentioned uh, conventions and stuff. And I noticed on your Facebook page, you've got one mentioned for 2023 um, Arizona comic book arts festival in, in February. Is that the first one you've got coming? I think so. I've got a handful of pages that I need to draw and I've got two scripts from two writers that need to be taken care of. So, you know, and then I also always want to kind of provide some new work at each convention. So it's really, I think this first five months of 2023 is going to be about producing new work uh, and getting some things behind me. I just lost a little bit of time uh, due to a family loss and then getting COVID right after the fact. So I'm just kind of getting back on the horse a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, the, the uh, AZ CAF Arizona comics arts festival. I'm, I'm extremely excited about that. The lineup of talent is excellent and it is entirely focused on comics art. It's not, there's no video games. There's no Hollywood presence. There's, you know, very little media. I mean, hopefully media will come and interview a bunch of us and, and make the, uh, the event known so that the next one will be huge and, uh, you know, make an impact for all of us local creators that are involved. But, uh, ultimately it just, it seems like a very fundamentally, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A classic comic book convention, like back in the day before they got way too big, which, I like, by the way, I really like going to San Diego every year. It's a great experience, but I'm also behind a table. I'm not out in the crowd dealing with the crush of everything and (laughs) and having difficulty getting places. I mean, it's obviously very expensive, but at this point, it's just a thing that we factor in because we all love it, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, I'm excited about doing that one event and I will always be doing, I won't, sorry, my notifications are on. I apologize. I will always be doing uh, other events 
uh, off and on. There's a local event in Mesa that's just an art festival, art fair rather that I do every month. Um, so little things will still happen, you know, but, uh, in this case, yeah, I'm keeping the convention circuit a little bit smaller until June. And then in June, I'm doing Phoenix Fan Fusion and Heroes Con in North Carolina back to back. So it's going to oh, all boy. start then. And then I'll, then I'll be at San Diego and then maybe, maybe Emerald City and definitely LA Comic Con. So that's, you know, from, from that point, I'll probably do seven or eight shows starting in June. Wow. Okay. So if we want to keep up with what you're doing, what's the best way to do that? How do we keep up with you? You can keep up with me probably the best way on Instagram at Craig Comics. That's K-R-A-I-G-C-O-M-X or on my website, monkeygong.com. That's M-O-N-K-E-Y-G-O-N-G. And, uh, you know, hopefully I'll be updating things pretty regularly there, uh, especially as new work starts to come about. I'm sure I'll be sharing a lot more of that. I'm always going to smile when I hear Monkey Gong. <laughs> you make me smile. But, okay, this all leads us, of course, right to zoop.gg. And Odds and Ends Books 1 and 2, uh, it's called A Massive Two-Volume Comics Anthology of Lost and Found Tales by Craig Rasmussen. Uh, do you want me to read? There's a paragraph I can read. Sure. Let me, it, it's Odds and Ends is a collection of comics done for film, TV pitches, small press publications, experimental comics, personal works, and more. Science fiction and humor stories that ended up shelved or out of print and gives them new life in gorgeous graphic novel packaging. Compiled and edited to be both a chronological record of Craig's career and a semi-cohesive narrative as you read through more than a dozen short stories spanning 15 years of his work. Each volume contains nearly 100 pages of sequential art in both black and white and full color. And it looks really good. I, I like the covers. You can see the two. If you go to zoop.gg forward slash C forward slash odds and ends, all one word, it'll take you right there. And the, uh, the Zoop project is underway as we're recording this. And it's going to uh, probably end in anywhere mid to late February. But don't wait. I would say go there as soon as you hear the, you're done listening to this interview and support it because all that stuff is really, really important uh, to keep this thing going. And I, too many people, I think, wait the last second and say, well, I'll do it at the very end. No, do it yeah. now. Well. Yes, definitely do it now if you can. But we also need the people at the end to help us get across the finish line. And, and in this case, I will say just to follow up, I didn't totally answer something that you asked a moment ago, which is, yes, Sojourners and Technopolis will be available, both of the early editions through the Zoop campaign as add-ons. So when you go to back the odds and ends books, you can actually just add those on immediately and get those with your order. Um, however, uh, each of those books has a graphic novel edition that is very, very close to being done. I'm just in the inking process on both of them and on Sojourners, I have five pages left to draw. Um, so they should be ready to deliver at the same time as odds and ends. And so I'm basically making it an obvious stretch goal for both of those books. Each one of their, each one of them will be their own stretch goal. Um, so I'm kind of hoping to, uh, to maybe grab some of those last minute people or, you know, have people uh, jump back in and add on once that becomes available as a stretch goal. Well, it's, as we want to save Craig the terrible thing of having to refresh the screen over and over and not see the total change. Just, <laughs> anybody who does any of these projects can't help themselves. They want to sit there and they want to see the thing go shooting up 
And if they refresh and nothing happens, then they're kind of like, oh, no, nothing happened. I'm never going to get it. <laughs> but I think that's not going to happen with this one. I think this is great fun. I think that's going to be great. Well, why don't you tell us what some of the odds and ends are? What are the, some of the things that are in the books? Um, well, that is uh, – let's see. Where should I start? One of my favorite things that's in it, it's going to be in the second book, is a, uh, a King David film pitch. And that was a 14-page exploration of the early years of the young shepherd boy, David, who eventually defeats Goliath. And it was an opportunity for me to do some swords and sandals, which I had never done before. And it, uh, it painstakingly pushed me into figuring out how to draw horses in a convincing manner. Um, and I, I had an absolute blast with it. Uh, and it appears that a, uh, certain company is going to be interested in actually having me go further with that. So I am pairing with the writer, Scott Rickles, uh, who wrote the original pitch package, uh, the pitch script, uh, to work out some more of that story. We're not really sure how long I know that he wanted to go all the way through the classic Bathsheba, you know, adultery betrayal, uh, and the fall of David as a King. So we're trying to zero in on what that will be, but I think this is an excellent way to get in on the ground floor. It's, it's in almost full color and it kind of feels like a, like a black and white movie that has splashes of blood all over it and not in the Sin City way. It's actually kind of got the gray tones that a black and white movie would have. Um, Hmm. but every single drop of blood is bright, bright red. So it's, Definitely, I guess, the more mature readers in terms of graphic violence that I've done, but I, I'm really happy with the way that turned out. Um, another one is, uh, I mean, at this point, it's going to be, this is a secret, but I'm telling the podcast that there's going to be a full issue of my time travel character in there. And when I originally published the first edition of Odds and Ends, which I haven't mentioned, but so these Odds and Ends uh, two volumes are actually a reprint of a single edition that was a hundred pages. And when I went uh, by the request of a few people to make a new edition, I realized that I actually had, like like you said, a whole another hundred pages, and uh, that I could actually put it together in a little bit more of a chronological and narrative structure. So once I did that, part of that was another. 12 pages of this time travel story. So I originally presented 11 pages of this time travel story in pencil. And now I'm going to be presenting a full, you know, floppy length, 24 pages of pen and ink story, uh, featuring my time travel character named Dr. Cotton Hickox. And it's a weird name for a reason. I'm not going to explain why. Um, (laughs) but I, you know, just like monkey gong, it was a weird name that caught my attention and I couldn't really let it go. And, and in comics, sometimes that's a really fun thing to play with. So, this is a, uh, a time travel character who has a very unconventional method of traveling through time, but it isn't necessarily good for him because the very first time he does it, it completely wipes his mind. And it's not that he can't get his memory back, but he loses huge chunks of his memory, especially his identity, and uh, has to sort of relearn basic skills like walking and talking and you know eating and fighting and all these things that he actually did know how to do. Um, so it's an interesting double or where you learn who he was and then who he becomes. And I'm extremely happy with the visuals in that story. And I am very, very excited to start telling it. So having this opportunity to publish a full issue of it inside of Odds and Ends uh, while I'm working on a much longer graphic novel and then also a 10-issue random adventure limited series of this character, uh, one of which is already drawn in pencil, it's going to be really fun to see how that lands because people have already really liked it. And, and the banner that I use at conventions is actually the, uh, the cover, which is uh, the upside down 
guy with the goggles on and the multiple timelines kind of wrapped around him. Um, so you'll see that if you go to odds and ends, if you go to uh, zoop.gg slash odds and ends, it's, it's a very fascinating world for me to be in. So I hope that other people feel the same way. Um, and the first book, you know, those were both in the second book. The first book is, uh, it actually has a Sojourner's prequel in it. So Sojourner's actually, maybe this is a spoiler, but it's not all about the monkeys. There's also human characters. Humans do exist in their world. It's just the first book happens to focus on monkeys and cats. Uh, mm-hmm. But there is a revelation later in the book about, uh, and yes, I'm sorry, this is a spoiler, everybody, but there is a revelation later about what's happening with humans in that timeline. And I actually had drawn a prequel to it that I didn't know was a prequel to it until recently. And I thought it was something that I was throwing out, uh, because it was old. But then when I looked at it with fresh eyes, I just realized that all I had to do was a little tweaking and it was, it was never inked, uh, a bad habit that I had during a certain period of my time, my time as an artist was that I didn't ink a few stories because I just wasn't confident, I think as an inker, and I wasn't necessarily confident in the storytelling. But then when I look back on it, I realized that it was just a kind of a fresh way to tell stories that weren't so slavishly, you know, beholden to comic conventions. You know, I mean, I want my sequential art to be very clear, but I also kind of like things to be immersive in a way that, you know, you can figure it out and you might have to figure it out. There might be a little bit of visual decoding that goes on, but I think it's very clear. So I'm excited about that because that's going to be the end of book one uh, that will lead you into book two. And I kind of feel like as far as my chronological experience as an artist, you can see where that story kind of opens the door to what I'm doing now. I mean, overall, I would actually call both volumes, the seeds of science fiction for me. You know, it's like, uh, the, the times, all the time that that work was being done, some of it was for clients and some of it was intended for publication, but a lot of it was done on the side while I was doing freelance art jobs for editorial, for novel illustration, album covers, menu art for restaurants. So I didn't really have the time always to finish it or follow it wherever it went, you know? And, uh, that's why I say I give it new life because in some cases it's just time passed, you know? So I think you can really see what I'm doing now in a lot of this work. And then in the first book, I think there are some extremely fun stories that are humorous in original ways, and they still somehow fit into my science fiction bracket. Hmm. And and these are all chronological as far as in terms of, in terms of my career. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very um, good. I, I, I was surprised that I actually was able to pull that off because I, I did that <laughs> vaguely when I put out the first edition. But then once I added the extra hundred pages, it made it much easier for it to be no longer vague. You know, I was just able to mm-hmm. actually commit to it. Well, based on the books that I've read, I, I I'm anxious to really see these ones. These are going to be great fun. Now, in what formats are these available? Are they available digitally? Are they available paper? How do you, how do we get them? Yeah, so they will be available digitally as uh, one of the lowest tiers of funding. So if you just want to get the PDFs and enjoy them to your you know heart's content, that's exactly what you can do. Um, but the next level up, I think, after that will be getting both volumes. Uh, so it won't be a low dollar uh, entry necessarily to get the books, but it's not going to be extremely expensive either. It's just two volumes. So, I mean, I suppose I could make one available and not the other, but that just doesn't seem logical to me. So it'll probably be something in the $25 to $30 range to get both books, maybe just slightly more. But I mean, from what I've seen in other campaigns, it doesn't seem, you know, out of the ordinary. So, um, that'll, 
basically be it, you know. Um, but the one of the stretch goals is to actually print them as a 200-page hardback if I get far enough into, uh, the, you know, past the funding goal. So I'm excited for that potential because I think it would be a pretty amazing looking hardback. I mean, I just picked up the Invisibles Omnibus the other day, which is probably near a thousand pages or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, Grant Morrison masterpiece, uh, you know, penciled mm-hmm. and inked and colored by all kinds of other amazing, talented creators. And it's one of my favorite reads ever. And when I looked at that the other day, I just got this kind of, you know, giddy shiver through my body where I was like, you know, it'd be pretty cool to print a 200 page hardback. That's really pretty. So kind of hoping that I'm going to get to do that. Okay. Sounds really good. I'm looking forward to that. I want to see that happen. So I'll be, we'll, I'll be working to get as much as we can in there and, and uh, make these things happen for you. Cause I really think they're going to be great fun. It all Thank sounds you. really interesting to me. Cause I, I'm, you know, I, I, I like to see how uh, creators ev- you know, evolve as it were. And you know, I've got to ask though, as, as you have gone along and you've been doing your, you're a, what they call a storyteller, right? You like to write the story as well as do the artwork. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, I do. I mean, I don't, I don't always, there are, um, let's see, I think there will be three writers involved in the second book of odds and ends only because two of those are, you know, were things that I did for other people that didn't end up going where they were supposed to go. I mean, the King David one, for example, there was another King David show that got picked up and aired before we even really got a chance to pitch our version of it. And it was supposed to be for a TV show. So it was one of those things like, well, I guess we'll just put this on the shelf, you know? Um, but in that case, it's written by Scott Rickles. There's a small uh, story written by Jason McNamara, uh, which corresponds with a book he's going to be putting out called ghost band. And, uh, so that in a way will have a nice connection that, you know, it just shares some DNA that I think is going to be a really fascinating thing to see when they're both on the market, hopefully at the same time. Um, and then I'm doing one brand new story, that's the only thing I'm going to be drawing for odds and ends. And that's just because a script hit my desk by the novelist, Jeff Chan, that's C H O N, uh, whom I've worked with in the past on a Kung Fu comic that we never published because, uh, sorry, my Harley neighbor just started his motorcycle. Hopefully that'll pass in a second. That's okay. But, uh, but basically I worked on this book when I wasn't ready to work on this book with Jeff, uh, almost 20 years ago. And it's a thing where we stayed in touch because I'm still very interested in actually trying to do that book. But when I was talking to him recently, he just had a script for me within a couple of days. I talked to him about a little bit of an opportunity where I was looking for a few writers to provide me with some work. And suddenly there was a script on my desk, as it were, metaphorically. And uh, it was going to have a different home, but I realized that putting this campaign together that that might be the best cherry on top of book two is if it's going to be chronological through my career, then there should be something brand new at the very end of that book. And uh, it's it's going to be the only non-science fiction in the sense that it is more of a horror story. But I suppose that if you have a, a scientific view of ghosts and things that maybe it still fits. And I'm super excited to do that because it's a it's a really macabre and bizarre story, and it's not very long. It's only like eight pages. Hmm? Okay, good. You know, the, you mentioned the David story has blood in it. Mm-hmm. T- trying to remember the David story and how much blood there actually is. I know it killed Goliath. I know yeah. he, he made well, wars happen and stuff. So right, I guess right. that's where the, the blood all comes in. There, there is a uh, there's a Jewish mystical ritual that in, uh, incorporates some sacrifice. There is uh, a, a section about King Saul 
and the prophet Samuel and King Saul was a wager of war. And so it kind of begins on the battlefield with King Saul. It begins with Samuel, then it goes immediately to the battlefield with Saul. And I think he was still fighting the Philistines at that time. So it all connects ultimately to Goliath and David. Um, but like I said, the, the swords and sandals was really emphasized in the script. And so I, I really pushed it because I'm a big fan of Conan or Conan, however you want to say it. And uh, I've read almost all the Robert E. Howard stories and I absolutely love that first Schwarzenegger movie. And uh, it, it had a huge visual impact on me as a kid. And I still watch it a couple times a year. So given that opportunity, it, it, it just seemed to me, I mean, and it, I mean, if you've ever been around a sharp sword, there's no way that if that thing was engaged in combat, it wouldn't be bloody, you know? Mm -hmm. So I didn't have a way to, uh, to pull away from that. And I didn't really want to, and I, it's not overtly graphic. I mean, maybe it is, I guess, but it's not, I don't, I don't relish in the graphic nature of it. It's, it's partially set dressing. You know, the blood is a very striking red throughout what I said looks otherwise kind of like a, black and white movie and it, it had a really cool effect graphically, you know? So mm -hmm. I just, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to scare anybody away. It's not necessarily for mature readers too deeply. It's definitely, you know, still palatable. I hope. I mean, I'm, it depends on how squeamish you are, I guess. <laughs> well, now it got me interested. I got to read that. I got to see what now it's going on in that. Cause I'm fairly familiar with David and, and stuff that happened with him. So now I really want to see, uh, how you told the story, uh, how you made it and brought it to life. I'm kind of just fascinated by those kinds of things. I, 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 I you know, there's, there's sometimes we don't understand the figures. The, uh, legends pop up uh, mm -hmm. about characters and people and stuff like that. And then when we go back and find the truth, it's not quite what the legend said. So I, I'm always fascinated by that. I think that'd be a great exactly. thing to read. Yeah, David's a fascinating character. The more I looked into him, the more he, he's like any other man who started humble but gained power and was corrupted by the power. It's a pretty simple story that is oft repeated even in our own day to day, you know? Yeah, David was supposedly the a man after God on God's own heart or something like that. Mm -hmm. He was, he was prophesied. Yeah. Yeah. But then did you see the stuff he did? And I'm like, is that God's heart? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about that. So, I mean, he's one of the he's one of the great uh, prisoners of lust throughout oh, history. Yeah. You know, see, he he really became obsessed with this woman that wasn't his when he was already you know had his had a family of his own and a wife of his own, and it's a it's a fascinating thing to look at and to 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 play on an iconic level. It's not it's not necessarily played on a religious level. Although there's although there is definitely a very strong level of pre-Christian mysticism, which I really liked about it because that kind of throws it into the, into the swords and sorcery, uh, and, uh, genre, if you will, not just swords and sandals, but you know, more like Conan where it's swords and sorcery. And it's really fascinating. It was really, really fun to draw. And we actually tried to use actual Jewish cultural elements for some of that mysticism. So that visually it really smacks as realistic. Oh, cool. So you deal with the whole business with the, the woman that he, he falls in lust with. Yeah, that's uh, that's the thing that Scott and I have talked about being basically the last third of the book is is his his fall because it is the rise and fall of Great King. That's mm -hmm. essentially what his story is, even in the Bible. So, you know, it's it's something we don't want to shy away from. It's you know, it's apocryphal to to say less than that. I think when it comes to that, if you're just talking about David's you know slaying Goliath, it's not that interesting 
of a personal tale. It's it's a great metaphor if you're talking about being a small business versus a large corporation or something like that. But when you're actually trying to uh, take life lessons from it, I think it's more interesting to look at the whole picture. I always like to bring up Esther as a uh, character. Yes. Wayne, because, I lost you for I lost you for yeah, about thirty I seconds. Know. I know. Okay. I I I am gonna I'll edit that back. I'll put it all back together. Just to restart right. that sentence, I didn't hear the beginning of yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, whenever we get into biblical characters, and I always appreciate David, but I always try to bring up Esther as well because she is she has her own book, and she her story is really interesting to me because she um, because she she ends up in the courts, the high courts and stuff like that. And she has to do something to save the Jewish people towards the oh. end of it. It's, it's not, it's not a, a, a war book. It's much more of a drama story. She has mm-hmm. to go before the King. And as even though she's the queen, she has to, if she approaches the King, and the King doesn't want her in there. She could be killed. Right. So she has to go in there and do stuff. And she has to reveal there's all kinds of interesting stuff about who's behind the plot and you know kind of things trying to get rid of the Jewish people and stuff. And it's a really good story, but I, I tell it to people who talk about Bible stuff because uh, I always think that that would be a great story if people would tell it today, particularly with the interest on strong female leads and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm, I'm fairly certain that in the summary of the later part of the story that I did read, she has a sizable role to play. But, you know, like I said, I'm not sure exactly which direction we're going to take, but I, I'm definitely, you know, the type of person that would emphasize, you know, making making her stand out in the story. Because especially in what I've done so far, there's not a single female presence whatsoever in the first 14 <laughs> pages that I've drawn. So I, I would prefer if we could add some women. And I, I even said this at some point, I'm like, is there, is there any chance we can get some women in the very next chapter of this book? So, well, she's not in David's story. She's a separate story, though. That's a, but she's similar timeline, right? Yeah, she's she's okay. she's in a whole other country, I think, and so it could be. In okay. there. I'm, I'm not exactly sure where they fall, but she she doesn't. Have, as far as I know, she never encounters David or anything like that. But hmm. it, it's a great. I love the story because she really she she puts her life on the line to save her people and. I, I always think, man, some people should be telling this story. It's really good. Anyway, well, if I'm if that. I'm wrong and she wasn't included, maybe we can make that a follow up. Yeah, that sounds that interesting. Be, that, that'd be a fun. I, I, anyway, I got to get out that story. So That's the right. no. uh, and then, so one and two. How, so you did one, and then of course you, you did them chronologically with that. Did, did, which book has the more new material in it? Is it one or two? It'll definitely be book two, but I actually, the way that I'm editing it worked out that there's actually going to be at least three stories that are, you know, more than four pages of pen and ink. Some, one of which I think is colored, uh, actually five, maybe six stories in the first one. It's actually, it's pretty rich as far as the, um, the organization of, you know, good work. I mean, I didn't, I didn't put anything in it that I don't think is worth looking at. And, uh, I mean, I definitely, you know, obviously the second book is closer to where I am working these days, but I still am very proud of everything that's going to be in the first book. And and the first half of the original odds and ends will be in the first book because there was so much work left out basically that I just, for some reason, didn't consider. 
Um, or there's a couple things that I was actually publishing as mini comics that I just said, why wouldn't I just put this in there now? So it's, it sort of created an edit where it just shoved a few stories into the first volume that rightfully should be there to help beef up that book's visual quality. So I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty well organized in terms of, you know, uh, visual satisfaction. So I'm anxious to read it. I'm I'm to read the different stories. That David story is, of course, going to be one I'm going to be fascinated to read. But the other ones too, I think, are all going to be kind of interesting to read and see how. It's interesting to see how art, particularly how an artist develops over time, because you know I've read online your and do you join me in this whole business about uh, artificial intelligence art and stuff like that. I don't. I don't understand the the lure of it, but uh, no, no I, the, the humanity part is the big part of it, and your artwork is going to reflect you on many levels. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that's a great thing. I'm really looking for. It's always interesting to me because artists are usually solitary creatures. You know, you mm-hmm. you do your stuff. You, you've got cats around and stuff, but you still spend a lot of time alone working on this stuff. And the time when people actually get to see your stuff is after it's all done. So that's when you get the criticism and uh, and the, the good and bad criticism as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, yeah. I'm dying to see them. I think the, the, they really sound like really excellent books and great fun. I think very ed- not only will it be fun to read, but I think it would be educational to, to see how, how you develop along the lines. Thank you. You want to hear one of the interesting stories that's in the first book that I actually I could I think could give you some uh, some extra interest if I t- describe this to you. So, and I apologize if this is in any way racially insensitive. I don't think that it is, but you'll understand what I'm saying in a second. Which is there's a book okay. in there called Cinema Assassins, which when I was living in San Francisco, um, I'm a very big film nerd. I love classic cinema, modern cinema, and everything in between. Um, all the trivia about it, and at, at certain times, I have played with the idea of writing my own reviews, but. You know, it's kind of you got to choose. You got to pick your battles. You got to choose what is the thing you're going to spend your time on. And for me, it's making comics. So, I decided that well, what if I put the two things together? And I came up with a book called Cinema Assassins. So it's <laughs> Cinema Assassins, but it's all smashed together as mm-hmm. as one word. And uh, and it's basically a Japanese version of Siskel and Ebert, who go into <laughs> a fantasy realm and assassinate movies they don't like, and then kind of ally <laughs> with movies they do like. And so one of the stories in there is about the year that Spider-Man 3 came out and the Freer <laughs> Die Hard, Ocean's 12. I, there's a number of movies that they actually quote unquote criticize, but they're like fully armored in this kind of dark, desolate landscape, you know, and they, they essentially have to kill all of the movies and they're shocked that the Harry Potter movie of that year was the best movie that they saw. And mm-hmm. so that's sort of the gag that's in it. And it's all samurai armor and swords. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really fun. I had a great time drawing that. And every time I read it, I'm like, this is, it's definitely my imagination just going for it, you know? And I think, I think that's going to be that plus another thing called Zen Patriot is are going to be cornerstones of that book. And that, I mean, that's almost, that's over 15 pages just with those two stories alone. Um, and Zen Patriot is about a, uh, disgraced CIA agent who has a magical surfboard that allows him to travel anywhere on the planet, but he still has to surf. So it's, uh, <laughs> you know, he's wearing, wearing the drab gray CIA suit, but with, you know, checkered vans and, uh, <laughs> hanging 10. So it's, it's definitely, you know, it's, I just don't want that first book to seem like it doesn't give the goods. Cause I think that there's a lot of stuff in it that honestly kind of impressed me looking back 
I mean, one of the things about being an artist is that it's, or any kind of creative is that you can be really, really hard on your own work and, and not oh. be able to be objective, you know? And mm-hmm. in this case, all this stuff was sitting in a file somewhere for so long that I just didn't even realize that it was way better than I thought, you know? Oh, good for you. Um, so with fresh eyes, it, it became an exciting potential to make this two volume set. Can I tell you a quick Spider-Man three story? Please do. I got a. Uh, I have a friend of mine whose brother goes and sits in theaters and shoots and films movies. Is it bootlegger? And records them, huh? Is it bootlegger? Uh, yeah, kind of. And <laughs> I, I tend not to want to look at those, but I had not gotten to see Spider-Man three, and I, I finally, my brother and I said, "Okay, this is it. We're going to go see this movie." And we went and saw it, and we came out shaking our heads going, you know, if you're evil, you dance in the street. And uh, if you're evil, you sing in a bar kind of stuff. And I, I, I literally, uh, and I was driving by <laughs> my friend who is, his brother recorded, and he, he reached into his briefcase. I was driving him someplace. He says, oh, I, my brother happened to record Spider-Man 3. Do you want to watch it? And I said, no, I've seen it already. And he put it back in his briefcase. He didn't. He knew just because that I had seen it. My, he knew what my opinion was going to be, and mm-hmm. he just put mm-hmm. it back in his briefcase and said and said no more about it. So I had, I laughed when I saw that, and I said, "Oh, you know what I think of it already." Oh yeah, he goes, <laughs> "Yeah." So, so Spider-Man movie, it's an amazing example of studio meddling, unfortunately, because <laughs> um, there's there's a really good movie in there. There's a lot of elements that are really good, and and to be honest with you, I actually think the the jazz dance scene has aged very well. Like it's, it's incredibly entertaining to watch if you just go with it, but the venom storyline is trash. I mean, it's just almost unwatchable and even Topher Grace knew it at the time. So yeah, all I can tell you is, and and, you know, cause I I guess I'm more of a DC fan than Marvel anyway. So I I always go in with a little bit of uh, a predilection not to like something. And that movie just, I, I I just came out and said, I'm glad I saw that one because now I'll never see it again. But, yeah. Uh, well, it falls, it falls very far from the second one, which is one of the best, still one of the best superhero movies ever made. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm with you. I sympathize. I empathize. <laughs> so now i got to yeah. read that thing about the script too. I want to see that because that's going to be fun to read too. So Oz and Ends books one and two, uh, Craig Rasmussen is at zoop.gg. And again, if you go zoop.gg, forward slash the letter C as in comics, forward slash odds and ends, you'll find this and, and be able to support it there. And we want to make sure that we support this so we get more of these kind of good things. Speaking of more, are there other projects you're working on right now or is this kind of keeping you busy? Yes, there are other projects I'm working on. I'm actually, uh, I've been given the permission to say that I am uh, going to be working for the revival of Gold Key Comics. And, uh, yes, probably something you're quite familiar with, uh, Mm -hmm. based on your reading history. Mm -hmm. So, uh, they've got the license to Boris Karloff's name and likeness and that we are going to revive the Boris Karloff mystery magazine. So that's one of the first things that I'm going to be contributing to, uh, that'll be mid 2023. Uh, I'm working on a story that's written by a writer named Cody Goodfellow, who's pretty well known for his independent publications of his own books. Uh, writing great comics with a friend of mine named Mike Dubish, such as Mystery Meat, which is an excellent, excellent uh, underground style comic. 
uh, about meat, uh, uh, artificial meat gaining sentience and all the terrible things that would come with it. Um, so I'm very excited to be drawing that because it leans more in the horror direction in a way, but it also fits right in with great sci-fi social commentary. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we're talking about doing for that company. And I'm probably going to contribute regularly to the Boris Karloff mystery magazine. I think it's going to be titled, uh, uh, Boris Karloff's gold key mysteries, I believe is the official new title. Um, so there's that. And then, um, we're talking about, they're the publisher that's interested in doing the King David book, the full story. Uh, and then, uh, there's a Western that I might do for them. So it'll be a weird Western. And I'm very excited about that. Uh, that's something that I've created for myself a while ago, but I haven't had the time or inkling to do anything with it because it's so far outside of the connected science fiction stories that I'm working on right now. But given the opportunity and, and given the, uh, the, the loves of everybody involved in the new uh, iteration of gold key, it seemed like the exact thing to pitch to that company. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff coming. Um, a couple other big brands that I probably shouldn't mention yet, uh, but definitely a couple of recognizable publications that I'll be a part of this year. Um, I've got some pinups in, uh, in ghost band, uh, Jason McNamara's aforementioned book. I've got a couple of pinups in, um, uh, Rise of the Kung Fu Dragon Master book, uh, uh, sorry, Omnibus volume. It used to be book two, but it actually their campaign went well. So they turned everything, they put both books together into a giant graphic novel. So I've got a, a pen, a pin up in there that I drew and uh, colored. And then one that I colored for Jeff Johnson, uh, the artist of the Wonder Man limited series from Marvel back in the day, as well as many other great books like Solitaire from Malibu, etc. Um, but uh, yeah, most of it's self-publishing though. I mean, like I said, I've been building up all these stories to publish kind of in a string of connected science fiction. And so what's going to happen possibly through this campaign or after the fact is that uh, I'm just going to start putting these stories to print. And uh, one of them is called Epoch, uh, which is about uh, an ancient apocalypse, not to use the term of the Netflix show, but in a way it's, <laughs> you know, it's inspired by the idea that there may have been a lost advanced culture prior to our age. Um, you know, I've got a, uh, a space story that was all, uh, it's all based on the prompts from Inktober. So every day Inktober has a single word prompt. And I basically took each of those words and turned them into a page of story. And it's a very twilight zone esque space story that I'm very, very proud of. So I'm kind of putting the finishes on that right now. Uh, you know, I, I've got a ton of stuff on the desk, so it's actually sort of hard to comment on exactly what's going to happen next. But I mean, certainly Technopolis and Sojourners are the first things out of the gate in 2023, as long, along right. with odds and ends, of course. Very good. Very good. All kind of great stuff. Really sounds really fascinating. I'm going to have to keep up with the stuff you're doing. Why don't you once again tell people how to follow you online so people can keep up with you? No problem. The best place to follow me online is Instagram at Craig Comics. That's K-R-A-I-G-C-O-M-X. I'll be doing a lot of live video, uh, especially during the run of the campaign. So uh, you can definitely just find me on there, most likely inking or drawing uh, on camera and talking about the campaign. Um, and then uh, at my website, monkeygong.com, that's M-O-N-K-E-Y-G-O-N-G. Uh, hopefully I'll be updating that very regularly with new content and I'm going to start playing with the paywall and, and maybe some sort of mystery box monthly delivery thing there. So certainly sign up on the, uh, sign up for the email list on the website because I would like to have more people to, uh, tell about all my cool stuff that's starting pretty soon. Very cool. All sounds great. And I still love that name, Monkey Gun. I'm going to be saying Thank that you. for a couple of days. Thank uh, you. You know, Wayne, I'd like to say one thing, if I may. Uh, sure. I just want to say thank 
you to the guys from Zoop, uh, Eric and Jordan. Uh, I really like the company. I like the ethos. I love that it's you know crowdfunding for comics only, um, but specifically their level of excitement and interest and support is uh, second to none. You know, I've never gotten anything out of Kickstarter other than, you know, faceless non-responses at best. I love supporting Kickstarter campaigns, but when I was inquiring about, you know, doing something a little bit out of the ordinary, I mean, they just will not have it. There's nothing, there's no way to like launch a label and, and Zoop is being so cooperative isn't the right word. I mean, they're just champions of what I'm trying to do. And, and essentially this campaign is really about launching the monkey gong label. That's why I'm making the stretch goals, uh, so readily available for, uh, to, to provide printing funds for sojourners and technopolis. So I'm really excited about this platform. They're still new, but there's already been some very high profile campaigns and the stuff they're putting out is gorgeous. And they just bend over backwards to make sure that we get whatever we need to have the best possible campaign. So I just want to thank those guys out front. And uh, I really can't wait to see what that platform does in the future. I've got to second that because I get to interview a lot of po- folks from uh, Zoop.gg, and I, I I agree that I think that they're kind of the wave of the future of how crowdfunding should be, and I think we'll see more from them in the future, and more from you too, if yeah, we're lucky for sure. because of good stuff like this. So, Craig, keep up the wonderful stuff, and again, it's Thank odds you, and ends. Uh, it's odds and ends books one to at zoop.gg and you want to be sure to support it as soon as you get done listening to this interview because we want to see more from craig in the future so keep up the wonderful stuff there craig will do wayne thank you so much for having me today it's been a great conversation people need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy and i can't do that as bruce wayne as a man i'm flesh and blood i can be ignored i can be destroyed but as a symbol get the latest from the comics universe news interviews previews and reviews listen to the weekly wayne's comics podcast so you can keep reading your comics That's it for this week. Be back next time when we'll have another great interview with another terrific comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics. Hey.